great skill for dating. Like I bet like, yeah. like in relationships, like sometimes you've got to pull up a PowerPoint slides in some of those relationships. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, why are you not understanding my point? This is what I'm trying to tell you. Why are you pissing me off? You know, yeah. well, it's, <laughs> this it's is why you're wrong. Yeah. Definitely a skill that comes in handy. Not going to lie. Welcome back. We are on today with my guest, Brendan, on the Tool for Dishes podcast. I'm your host, Angie Sorensen. You can come and find me at angies.com. That's angie-s.com. Or on my link tree at linktree forward slash tool for this shit, spelled with S-H-I-T. No asterisks on this one. Now, those are the places to go if you want to be part of my community, get, in, get involved with what I do, and have direct access to me. So, if you haven't yet, please, please share this podcast with your friends, rate, review, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, or follow it on Spotify, and, or from anywhere you listen to, from wherever way, whichever way you show love on this, please do it. That is how you can support this show. The more you do that, the more it helps new listeners discover this show. It takes two seconds and it's completely free for you to do. Today's episode is on public speaking and also actually how to focus on doing what matters to you when it comes to having a YouTube channel or doing a podcast or anything like this that has to do with, with public speaking, but not necessarily a TED talk, just all kinds of public speaking. It could even be like, you know, doing a presentation at work, you know, that's public speaking as well. And if you have to do it on Zoom, that's also public speaking. So without further ado, let's begin. Hi, Brendan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Angie. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining me today. Look, I'm excited to have you on the podcast because, you know, I checked out your YouTube. I thought you had, you know, I think you have like a great vibe. And there was a couple of videos. I was like, oh, we need to talk about this. So... You know, today we're going to talk about public speaking and like the listeners are going to be like, well, this is so not what you normally talk about. And like, no, that's right. But nowadays, this is like a skill that's not just left to like politicians, entertainers, public speaking has just hit us all into our home, you know, with the way we work and do business like Zoom and Instagram lives, anyone, you know, like all of these things can really, it's kind of nerve wracking for, for most people. You know, this is like one of the number one fears to talk in public, you know, never mind the boardroom before, but now you're behind a screen and you potentially talk to a lot more people. So I really wanted to have your input on this and see if you could, you know, help listeners, you know, how they can just manage whether it's a boardroom, an Instagram live, a YouTube video they have to do for their company, whatever it is. So before we dive in, please introduce yourself, where you live and what you do, Brendan. Yeah, of course. So yeah, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk, which, as you alluded to, is a YouTube channel I started to help people with their communication skills and their public speaking. And how I got started, and I'm based in Montreal, is I was in university, and I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing football or rugby or cricket or some other sport that I wasn't very well equipped to do. I applied that same competitive spirit but to presentations. So for three years, I presented hundreds of times, coached dozens of people on their communication, public speaking skills. And then after I graduated and I got a job, the corporate world, like I just asked myself a simple question, which was 
how do I make a difference in the world? And that's when the idea for the channel came to be because I realized a lot of the communication stuff sucked on YouTube. So, so I thought I'd make videos in my basement and then the rest was history. Okay. Okay. So can I just check with you? What, when you say case competition, is it like, like the debate team? Is that, it's similar. That, what, so what, is, what was it doing? Like you was presenting cases like a university or what do you mean? Yeah, I'm happy to expand on that. So essentially what a case competition is, Angie, is like a business gives you a problem. And then based on that problem, you have to solve it and present a solution back to them. So I'll give you a super easy example. Let's say we both own a a fast food restaurant. Let's say we sell ice cream. So then they come up to us and they go, well, Brendan, Angie, uh, no one's eating ice cream anymore because everyone wants to be health health conscious or wants to eat salads now they don't have time for ice cream. So how do we get how do we get those people back into to the ice cream shops? So this is an example called this is an example of a business problem. So what we need to do is we need to find a solution, make slides and then present it back where generally the executives of that ice cream store. So that's what a case competition is. I know it's weird, but some people in the world do this for fun. Mm, okay, so it's basically like making sure that you basically put your point across and win someone over almost like with whatever you're presenting so that they sort of like agree with you, right? You got it. So let's say yeah. a company would go through like seven student teams. They would pick the first, the best solution, the second best. And that, that person would generally win like an internship at their company or something like that. So that was, so, that must be a great skill for dating. Like I bet like, yeah. like <laughs> in relationships, like sometimes you've got to pull up a PowerPoint slides in some of those relationships. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> no, why are you not understanding my point? This is what I'm trying to tell you. Why are you pissing me off? You know, <laughs> yeah. this is why you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a skill that comes in handy. Not going mm-hmm. to lie. Okay, so then you saw like, you know, you, you looked at what was around and you thought, you know what, I can offer something different. What is the thing that you do that's different from what you did, the, the thing that you saw on YouTube? Like how all of a sudden you went, you know what, I've got this experience in case studies and I'm just going to, sorry, case competition. And I am now going to show people how to be focused on this one part, which is like the public speaking, the presentation part. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the big thing, Angie, was there's a lot of, YouTube videos that that weren't focused on the areas that I usually focus on. I teach people. So the first thing is just the obvious one, like entertainment. You know, the most most public speaking videos on YouTube are very boring. Mm. You know, they're given by like PhD ac- academics who literally talk like this. And I'm just there, like, how can you teach communication if you're not an exceptional speaker yourself? It just didn't make any sense to me. And the uh, the other side of it was back to the academic world. A lot of the jargon that we were talking about before that we started rolling mm. it was, was, is wildly used in this industry. So you have words like glossophobia or extrapernania speeching. I don't even know how to pronounce it <laughs> myself. Yeah. I'm just like, all this is useless. Like, you know, yeah. I, I do weird things. Like I compare public speaking to puzzle pieces and, and, and I, I use very simple analogies. Yeah. And the third thing was just production quality. You know, I thought a lot of the pro- production out there was really bad. So after a year of filming, you know, I went professional with my with my videos. So th- those are, I, I would say, the three big things. Okay. Okay. So can you tell us, you know, if we, if we go like to the start, like if someone's listening in, listening in, they may go like, you know, what should I learn about public speaking? Like, what's your answer to that? Yeah, of course. I, I think the first thing I always start with, Angie, is this idea that public speaking has very little to do with presentations. You know, a lot of us think of it like, oh, uh, public speaking is me presenting in front of a classroom or speaking on video or starting a YouTube channel. No, no, no. Public speaking is every interaction you have with everyone around you. 
It's the tough conversations you have with your family or your yeah. loved ones. Mm. It's the great conversations you have with your friends over dinner. It's the way you talk to the delivery guy, to the person who serves you your food. Every interaction is public speaking. So once you realize that communication doesn't just help your dating life, as you allude to, your presentations, but mm-hmm. rather your entire life, that's when you start to work on it a lot more. Yeah, you know, that's such a good point you, you're bringing up because I sometimes find like it's the small conversations that like, it's like, you know, how do I tell the neighbor like a small thing, like, you know, like something about like the recycling bin or like, like, you know, they've put stuff in and it's like, it smells or whatever it is. Like, you know, the little things like between neighbors and like, how am I going to say this without falling out with them, but still putting my point across, not, you know, not, not being weak, but still being assertive, but not being a bitch. It's like all these little things, like they literally <laughs> cross, they, they really cross my mind. You know, I'm like, okay, so how do I say this? You know, like, because it's like, it's, it's, you know, a lot of it with conversations and discussions, a lot of it is also to do with boundaries and, you know, and what is your, what's your line and, you know, how flexible can you go? Because you're always going to have to negotiate something a little bit, you know, or it's, it's sometimes like a thing for the people, it causes a lot of stress, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and especially now we're all like, most of us have been in lockdown. So even less interaction. So the minute you actually do have a real life interaction with someone or you have to address something we're a bit rusty, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, how do we fare around in this world? You know, I'm with you. Absolutely. Mm. Let's say if someone wants to go and do a TED talk or, you know, do a, an actual presentation like that, how do we know whether we have something interesting or different to say to, you know, to look forward to create, to, to actually do a t- TED talk? Right. The way I think about it, Angie, is it's more about, do you find your topic interesting enough? Because what I've always noticed is, generally speaking, if you're very passionate, you care a lot about your ideas, even if it's a cupcake business you started, there's almost always going to be another group of people who are interested in that same idea. Mm-hmm, so, I think, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so for example, I mean, look at my YouTube channel. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about communication, public speaking. It's probably not as popular as a Super Bowl. Right, but uh, there's people in the world who will say, "Oh, I actually want to work on this skill," and those are the people I'm for. So, so I, I would say my recommendation is to focus, look at all of the ideas you have in your in your in your life, and play and start ranking them based on your interests, and start showing them to your friends. Let's say you pick three, five ideas, and you just ask your friends if if you're having trouble picking. And they'll say, oh, I like this one. I don't like this one because of X, Y, and Z reason. And it's through those conversations that you'll figure out what is the one idea you want to stick to. In the same way, I had a bunch of ideas for my YouTube channel, but the reason why I chose Master Talk particularly was just because nobody else was doing it. Like I felt I could really make a difference in that space versus just being you know, another one of a thousand different channels on the same topic on something else. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I love that you said the, uh, you know, if you're really passionate about something. And by the way, cupcakes. I mean, a lot of us are passionate about cupcakes. That's true. <laughs> I don't disagree on that one. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but, you know, like you said about, you know, do whatever you're passionate about, something you're really into, because other people, the likelihood are other people are going to talk about it. That's actually how, <laughs> that's how I 
that's how I do my thing. That's how I do the podcast. That's how I do my health and wellness. I'm like, okay, what is that I'm interested in? Because little by little, I'll discover also what other people want to hear. I'm like, oh, actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I want to cover that too. But you have to start with you. Like, and then you'll expand. And then, you know, other things that people throw, you will stick or they won't stick. And you do what, you know, you've got to, but like you said, like I'm a true believer in like following like your soul, like what's inside of you, because that's going to be the bit that's really that you've got the most power to to enjoy and to create a change and whatever it is that you want to do with it that's where you've got the most engine power I feel behind it versus like someone at work giving you like something to do that you don't enjoy it's going to take you longer to do whether if you have a project you really enjoy so I think when it's things like that for sure follow your own voice basically <laughs> voice, yeah yeah of course and, and, yeah. and in other ways just like try try a couple of presentations like not 18 minutes like ted but maybe mm-hmm. like two, three minutes just pitch it to your friends see and if that's something that matters to you you can have your friends kind of help you pick that topic but it's not impossible for sure so now that you mentioned about the duration this is be like a good segue to talk about like how like how to format a speech is that something that you that you sort of have i like that you help people think about how they can start formatting a talk oh yeah absolutely and this is actually going to be the easiest technique i share today so if you just apply what i'm about to say anyone who's listening you'll you'll easily 10x your communication skills oh nice so the method is called puzzle so public speaking angie is a lot like a jigsaw puzzle you know those puzzle pieces you kind of do as a kid and probably do now because of covid so, so if I asked you, let's say you're working on this puzzle yourself with your friends or your family, which pieces would you start with first and why? Well, I'll always start with the outside first. Right. Yeah, don't yeah, worry. It's yeah. not a trick question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right. So, so why, why, what's your rationale behind that? Because there's at least two sides that I don't have to, like, there's, you know, there's less side to fit with other ones, with other pieces, because you exactly. have like a, a smooth, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got it, right? They're mm-hmm. easier to fit together. There's a lot less options, so it's easier to fit those corner pieces. Yeah, less pieces as well. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, why don't we do that in public speaking? We have a presentation in a boardroom, in a classroom, in a conference room. So what do we do? We start with the middle first. We start shoving a bunch of content. We get to the presentation, we ramble through the entire thing, and then we get to the last slide and it sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so thanks. That's probably (laughs) 95% of all the presentations I hear. But much like jigsaw puzzles, if you start with the edges first, you can master public speaking a lot faster. So what does that mean? That means practice your introduction. 50 times, not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. It's actually not that hard. It'll take you an hour because each introduction is probably a minute or two. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. So same thing. 50 times the conclusion in only two hours of practice, Angie. You look at your presentation and go, wow, I'm really good at this public speaking thing. And then you dive into the metal and you figure it out. But much like a jigsaw puzzle, who does puzzles on their own? I don't know anyone who tackles a 2,000-piece puzzle alone. That's why I recommend working as a team. 
Get a group of friends together, a community, people who want to see you win, people who can help you, and work together to solve the middle. And that's how you solve the public speaking puzzle. I guess it's a it's a good way to test whether what you're saying actually makes sense to other people, right? So let's say if you were to talk about a scientific topic to people who aren't scientific scientists, but you wanted to teach them something around it or help them understand some particular you know, scientific topic. If if yeah, exactly. If the people who who are not scientists understand you, then that's you pretty much nailed it. If you can make it relatable, you know, to to people who are not in your industry. Absolutely. Mm. That it's also an easy, quick, easy win. You know, let's say you t- going back to your TED example, that's an 18 minute speech. So you're looking at that daunted. You're like, oh, geez, how am I supposed to like start this? But if you master the first minute, the first two minutes, the last two minutes, well, you just did four minutes of your 18 minute speech. You only got 14 left to go. Yeah. Right? So it creates that momentum that we want to see in public speaking. And you can apply that logic for literally any presentation for the rest of your life. So you know when you when you said to repeat the introduction in the, in the outro fifty times, did you mean like just so that you can like to see whether it flows or to actually learn it by heart or what did you mean by like repeating it fifty times? Yeah, great follow up. So, so the reason why you want to do it fifty times is to deliver it exceptionally well. So I'll give you a best example with this very podcast. You know, and I started guesting on shows. Yeah. I sucked at answering questions. You know, somebody would ask me, hey, Brendan, where do you think the fear of public speaking comes from? I was like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, like the under your mattress or something. You know, like there's like boogeyman's or something. Like, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. But over time, when you do more shows and more shows, and you start to realize that the, ga- the host is asking you the same set of questions, Right, because I mean, it, you're the communication expert, so you're going to ask answer communication questions. No one's going to come up to you and say, "Hey, Brendan, uh, what's your favorite fruit?" Right? No, no one's going to say that. So, because I'm always answering those questions, I get much better at communicating the ideas from those questions. Right. Yes. It's almost like you're refining your pitch. Exactly. Yeah. You follow a format. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whereas most of us, we don't spend enough time on the delivery, not because we're bad speakers or anything. But it's just because of the nature of public speaking. If you're in a university and you have eight different classes, eight different presentations, you're not thinking in that way because you just want to survive. You just want to get through all eight. Right? You finish your English presentation, you move on to your math one until you're done and you can take a break. Whereas the best speakers in the world only present one or two presentations in total, but they present it at a world-class level. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you have like an example... You know, this is just like, you know, top of my head here. I was just thinking this, like, do you have any examples of an unusual speech that is actually super interesting? So let's say it was something like around sellotape, but someone made that speech super, super interesting and engaging. Like, is there, are there, are there places that you could, that, that are online that showcases like things like that? That's super fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. There is one that comes to mind right now. Uh, there's a TED Talk called How to Sound Smart at, at a TED Talk. I highly recommend that one. It's super funny. It, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's sarcastic in a way that he's essentially mocking TED, but he's, at, he's giving a TED Talk himself at, on a TED stage. Yeah, and, and yeah. he's exceptionally talented speaker, and he says absolutely nothing during the entire speech. So it, just, it has like 20 million views or something. That one's really good. And another one is... Um, uh, my journey in spam email by James James Vietje. Yeah. 
essentially this guy who who gets a spam email like we all do and he, he decides to reply to it and the whole story is how, what happens during that conversation it's the so funny so that's a, that's two that come to mind well because i don't think there's many who actually do answer to spam email because i just delete them straight away exactly so, so that, yeah that's gonna be is that is that on ted talk the journey on spam email yep both of them yeah. okay oh thank you for that brendan thank of you course. Before we go into like you know um, the next part of before we go to, over to the next segments, do you teach people about voice exercises and be how to warm up before they do a, a talk? Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about warming up or any of those things. What what I would focus instead on, Angie, and it's not because vocal exercises don't work, but because it just creates more stress. You know, a lot of speech <laughs> they recommend, oh, Angie, you should breathe for yeah. seven minutes. But my opinion is, well, if you're breathing for seven minutes, you're only thinking about the fear on public speaking. You're not really thinking about anything else. You're acknowledging the fear. I think the better strategy is to always look at the big picture. Why are we mastering communication? And a question I can ask, to, and this is probably the best form I can give you, is the following question that I want you to reflect on. The question is, how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? If you were one of the best speakers out there, how would the world be different? And that answer is going to be different for all of you. For some of you, it might be being a better podcast host, like in your case, Angie. For me, it might be better being a better YouTuber. I mean, who's going to listen to a speech coach who doesn't know how to speak, right? And for others, it might just be, you know, I have, you know, I'm always arguing with my wife all the time, but because of communication, I have a lot less arguments. I don't, I'm not married, yeah. but as an example for somebody else. So, so yeah. it's all about figuring out what that reason is for you and pursuing that. Mm, yeah, no, do you know what? It's interesting you said that because I, I mean, I do, I do a little bit like before sometimes, like if, especially if, I, if, if I'm tense during the day, because I've got quite a tense jaw, <laughs> I grind my teeth at night. So I do something stupid like this, you know, like just to check I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm chill because you can't do that. Raspberry nose, if you're tense, you know, it's like you can't whistle if you're laughing or, you know, all this kind of stuff. You have to be relaxed. But what I actually do find which I think maybe like in a roundabout way is a little bit what you were saying as well, is that it's a lot to do with the feeling behind your words. So if I'm not confident or if I'm tired or if I'm feeling really insecure that day or if I'm in a bad mood or whatever it is, my, my speech, like my list comes out. I can't say my words properly. Uh, my, my accent comes out even more, uh, which I don't mind that. But it's like, you know, it's like my speech is almost influenced by my mood of the day. And... So it's like, it, you can almost hear when someone, you can, you know, when you pick up the phone to someone and you can feel they're like, they're not, there's almost like, um, there's like a little void in that voice because they're not feeling good about themselves that day. And there's a, it's a feeling. And so it's like, you know, that's why they say, like, pick up the phone, have a smile on because it changes the whole sound. <laughs> and it's true because it changes that the internal cavity of your mouth. So it changes the direction of the sound. But so I think, yeah, like, like, like I think when you, you ask, you, you are, you're asking a, a bigger question. You're really asking, you know, how would the world be different if I was, you know, a master at communication, or if I increased the skill and stuff. And because it puts that, it puts impetus, it has nothing to do with you anymore, which I think is really important. Like, you know, it can't, like I said today, of course I would have loved to like just sit down, watch Netflix after in the evening. But do you know what? It's like, but it's like when you realize this isn't about 
you and I don't mean you you I mean like me for example like it's not about me it's not about how I feel it's about what I'm doing and all of a sudden you get past those feeling of oh maybe I'd rather sleep or maybe I'd rather do this or you know the procrastination and I think it's like then all of a sudden you have this purpose and I think that's where your vo- that's why people's voice comes through you know and the purpose you know what's a bigger purpose than you asking the question well, how would the world be different if I was a better communicator or if I actually went out there and just did the shit? You know what I'm saying? It's like, are you out there doing it? And it has nothing to do with us and how we feel. It's just nothing that that's what helps us do, what helps me sometimes to do things that I may not always be in the mood for because motivation doesn't come straight away. It, it comes afterwards, you know, like now I'm well excited. I'm well into it. But, you know, we all have those days, right? I'm with you. Absolutely, Angie. You know, I, th- I think this idea of how do you constantly stay motivated? Because in public speaking, it's a lot harder to do that because the goalpost is a lot more vague. So let's say me and you're running a marathon together. The reason I stay motivated is not just because you're banging on my door at 5 a.m. and say, Brandon, we got to go for a run and I got to stay accountable to it. But also because I can see both of us finishing the race. Right. So we get we both get across the finish line. I get the participation ribbon. You get the gold one. But the Mm. difference is that we see it. But in public speaking, what does being a great speaker even mean? And the answer is there is no answer. Right. There's a couple of things. Right. Like, okay, less filler words or things like that. But what's it's a much filler word? What's a filler word? Well, filler word is ums or ahs. Like, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's really hard, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so that's the thing, right? So it's, it's a lot harder for us to hold ourselves accountable mm. to, to a result when, when we don't really know what that looks like. So, so that's the challenge. And you're right. If we have a strong reason why we want to master communication, and we always remind ourselves of that reason, it's a lot easier for us to get to that end point. Yes, absolutely. And especially nowadays, I think, I think all of us have been impacted mentally, you know, in one way or another, like or emotionally about what's happened this year, you know, just purely the isolation and everything. And I think having this thoughts, you know, this, like what is, what is a bigger purpose? And I find like for me this year has been really important to really go, what do I really want? What, what, you know, why am I doing any of this for? Cause I'm not seeing people most days cause people are afraid to meet. And you know what I mean? Like you have to really, like, I think like, purpose like there's this podcast and did you know do you know this podcast called don't keep your day job don't keep your day job mm, do you know it no that sounds okay interesting. yeah no it's good so it's uh it's uh for kathy heller she is the the creator and the host of it and um in her introduction she always says the opposite of depression isn't happiness it's purpose and i really believe that i think that once you have a purpose all of a sudden you feel lighter you like you have a reason which is why, you know, helping other people make you feel better because you, you, you are getting, you, what was the word? You're getting out of your own way because you're not thinking about all your shit, but you're actually helping someone else. And all of a sudden your stuff is put in perspective and you feel a bit better, you know, or at least you have a bit of a respite. And I think, yeah. So that bigger question that you were posing, it really is about, I feel like about purpose a little bit. Absolutely. It's this whole Mm. idea of significance, right? Once we know that we're adding value to other people in a, in a powerful way, it, it keeps us aligned and keeps us focused on what we want to achieve. And is this is this part of like why you you know you have this YouTube video around you know the why of public speaking? You got it. I just go into a lot more details about how you can construct one. 
but I think the general idea is if you, even if you just start asking yourself the question, I think that alone will already make you a lot better because most of us, when we think about public speaking, we see it like a chore. Yeah. We see it like doing the dishes or, you know, doing the laundry or, you know, like we did, because all the presentations we get in our lives are not optional. They're mandatory or we have to give them. And that's where the weakness lies. So if we can start thinking of it more of an empowering way to share an idea that matters to people who want to listen to them, that's when public speaking becomes a lot more useful and a lot more fun also. So of course I want people to go and check out the video on the YouTube, but if you, would you be able to just give out like if some, a couple of things here for the listeners, if people are like, oh, I don't know what my why is. Like, I don't know, like, why would I, you know, uh, you know, um, I really love cupcake, but I don't know. I, I just, what is my why behind explaining the secret behind the best cupcake or, uh, you know, whatever example it is, but where would people start to know what their why is? Like, do you have a, 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 some help for that? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's kind of two different whys, right? There's the one for the public speaking, one for life in general. So, so let's dive more into the life side of things. Mm. I, I think because a lot of it's intertwined at the end of the day. I think the big thing that we want to focus on when we think about our why and we think about what we want to achieve in our lives, I think a question that not many people ask themselves is they ask themselves, they don't, they ask themselves too much, what are you passionate about? Which I think is too general and too vague. Like anyone, you can be passionate about anything, right? You can be passionate about your dog, your cameras, your lights, and that's okay, but it's much harder for you to build something meaningful out of that versus a better question that I ask, which is what does the world need you most to do right now and why? So when I was 12, the answer to that question wasn't start a YouTube channel public speaking. It was help my mother get out of poverty, right? Because I had no money and she definitely did it. And so, so I just said, I need to get a six-figure corporate job. Let me figure out what job can, can get me that kind of income so that I can get out of this tough situation. So I spent, you know, from the ages of 12 to 22 focused on that goal. So I got a job at Pricewaterhouse, then I got a job at IBM, and I was able to oh, achieve that. Yeah. But then after I said, okay, what does the world need me most to do right now and why? And that's when I realized that because of all of the decisions I made, not passions, but rather decisions, specific actionable decisions, that led me to master talk. Because if I never uh, got a job in corporate, I never would have done case competitions. If I never would have done case competitions, I wouldn't even have the expertise to be on this show to talk about this stuff. So that's the really what I think a lot of people are missing, is that they focus too much on trying to find something instead of doing something. And I think yeah. if you start to do anything, really, like, for example, if, if you like cupcakes and you, and, you don't, and you wonder what's the best cupcake in the city, I would encourage you to just go try all of them. Is that something you want to do? And then in that same way, it's those questions that lead you to more insights. Another bonus I can give you is this idea that, generally speaking, the questions you find interesting to ask yourself that other people don't are the ones you should be following. So I'll give you the best example. So for me, a question I always ask myself is, how do I teach communication in a way that a five-year-old can understand it? That's a question most people don't give a shit about. It's like, like I don't yeah. care. Like, who cares? In the same way that somebody else can go, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if what behaviors the next generation of people will have. You know, we had Gen Z, Gen X, and all that stuff. I wonder what the next generation's behavior. So that's a question I don't really care about. 
that's a question somebody else cares about. So that's that, that idea is find what that list of questions is for you. What is driving your curiosity and your interests? And yeah. that's generally what leads to both an interesting topic for your life, mm-hmm. but yeah. also the presentation about your life. That is like, I, I agree so much to what you just said. Um, you just, you just have to do, that's how I ended up with this podcast when I was just like, oh, it just came, like I knew I wanted to do one for a long time, but I didn't know about what. And one morning, and I'm not going to tell the whole story here now because it's, you know, it's, <laughs> I think I've, I've mentioned it before on the, on the show, but it literally came to me like in a split second. And I didn't really know what it was going to look like. I was just like, I, there was all these different things that I wanted to cover and have people on to discuss because those were the things that I craved an answer for, or those were the things that I wished I'd known when I was 18. And I only found out after I was 40, you know, and I was just like, that is not good enough. I was like, this is not okay. <laughs> and I honestly did not know really, you know, I hadn't really looked about, you know, I didn't look about what the future would look like with it. I just sort of did it because I just wanted to there and then. And I, it was kind of like an impulse buy. And, um, even though I flirted with the idea for a year or two, or maybe a year. But when I started, it was like, this is what I want to do like now. And then that was it. And then it's sort of like, like you say, like it, over time, maybe that, you know, then all of a sudden you realize what it is that you want to talk more of. But yeah, I think by doing, like I said, just doing, that's how you, you don't have to think so far ahead. It's not so much so philosophical all the time. Sometimes um, it's just a case of just doing it. I'm absolutely with you on that one. You know, you know what I always find is like the this idea that your gifts are the sum of all of the qualities that make you crazy to the average person. So let me repeat that again. Your yes, gifts, again. <laughs> your unique gifts, you know, the things that you're meant to do in life yeah. that only you can do is the sum. So it's the addition of everything that the average person would think is crazy about you. So think about me. Right, I speak three languages, but I can karaoke in eight. I (laughs) I have a very successful executive coaching practice, but I still live in my mother's basement and I don't own a car. Right, so it's not the fact that I do all of these crazy things; it is because I do and communicate all of these crazy things that allows me to create very unique content that nobody on the planet can create. Right, and the best example I can give you to make this more. tangible for people, is this idea that because I speak multiple languages, I can make a video on how to present in a second language. Whereas that video has never been created before. Do you know know why you're right? Because um, because like you, I also speak several languages, but I've never... I've never been taught how to present in another language. You know what I mean? Like that is actually quite a good idea. <laughs> right. But, but that's yeah. like one of a thousand things. Another yeah, thing to give you yeah. that's even more like funny, I guess, mm. is because I, I karaoke in eight different languages, I realized that if you're, if you learn, like the best way to learn pronunciation from, from that journey is actually to sing songs in languages you don't know. Because if you sing in Korean, you don't have to be good at singing, but it helps you pronounce words better in your first language so that's a trick that i learned but it's because of my own innate insanity for even attempting that that allowed me to find a new insight in the industry that nobody else found it's like that it's funny because when you mentioned about the karaoke made me think of a scene in this netflix tv series where they go out of space Oh, and it's with Hilary Swank, but it's not her, but it's the, the other woman, how she learns English going through karaoke. 
<laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it makes sense because I think like when you have fun, or because music is something we've, we've all listened, and you can kind of get the gist. But um, yeah, no, it, it makes sense. No, but I love that you're honest about the. Uh, you've got this uh, executive coaching business, but you live in the basement at your mom's, and uh, and you don't own a car. And I'm like, that is so refreshing because everyone else is like, yeah, look at this, look at this uh, jet that I just like rented for ten minutes because I can't afford <laughs> it, and I'm gonna have this Gucci bag which I again rented, um, and it's like you know it's all so fake, and it's like you know real life is and. and whatever is that you what makes you happy and what you want in life does not have to be what social media tells you should be or society in general so no I like that I wanted to ask you Zoe about how to get over the fear of public speaking but I wonder if we kind of like already answered that because we talked about you know the format and the question behind you know the why and you know what would be different in the world if you did it but would there be anything like, do you want me to ask you that question? Should I, should I ask you that question? Is there anything else to add on that? Yeah, of course, I'm happy to add more. Yeah. Uh, I would say the general idea behind the fear of public speaking is this idea that as long as the message matters more than the fear, you'll always be successful. Because the fear will always be there. You know, I always like to equate fear to like a boxing match. So in a boxing match, on one side of the ring, you have your fear. On the other side, you have your message. So the fear will always be in the ring. But as long as your message gets the knockout punch, you'll always be successful. And I always like to use the example of Brene Brown. So for those who don't know, she's oh, a good talk. Oh, my God. Yeah, everybody go watch her TED Talk. Yeah, she's great. She's actually funny, even though she's not a comedian. She's really funny. Oh, she is. Yeah. But what's fascinating about her, and she, once again, top speaker in the world, expert in vulnerability but what's fascinating is in her first ted talk she even mentions it in the talk that she doesn't like public speaking mm-hmm. right she goes yeah i'm a phd in social work i really don't like this public speaking stuff but hey got to share a message but the question we need to ask ourselves is why does Brene make the decision to do it anyways that's a more ah. fascinating question to think about and here's the answer the answer is simple for the single mother who has seven kids what do i mean by that Brene knows, as much as I do, that if we leave our information in books and research papers, we don't tap a majority of the world. Because that single mother has seven kids. She doesn't have time to read her book. No, she, she doesn't. doesn't. She doesn't have no. time to read every annotation in her five-year research project. So no. Brene, much like all of us, had to make a choice. And that choice was, do I share my information with a wider range of people? Do I simplify my message? Do I spend 30 minutes out of my life to give this presentation? Or do I never share my message with that single mother? And she made her choice. In the same way, when I started Master Talk at the bright old age of 22, right? I had a decision to make. I noticed all these PhDs were a lot more experienced than me, a lot more knowledge than I did, but they weren't simplifying their information enough. So it's either I did nothing, and the only thing a 16-year-old girl would have access to is a 50-year-old man's advice on how to speak that is totally outdated, or she would listen to me if yeah. I had the courage to make those videos. And, mm-hmm. I, and I ended up doing that. But the point I want to drive is, in the same way Brene made her choice and I made mine, and you made yours, now everyone else who's listening needs to make theirs. Yeah. Well, you know what? Actually... I've actually got a follow-up question on that because, yeah, it's all very well and good. I'm like, yeah, I've got this podcast, I'm doing it. But 
when it comes to videos, obviously, so you do YouTube, right? Brené Brown, she went on TED Talk, which is, you know, video as well. Like I, like, <laughs> how do we, because you do talks on videos. I know I'm good. I can do videos. You know, I, I used to be a performer, all of that stuff. So I can do that. But I have this block. I really like, I will pick something I don't like about myself and I'll refuse to do a video and I'll be like beating myself down. But I have a, a block going out on YouTube and doing the video. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like a vanity thing. And I'm like, oh, do I really want to be on there? Who's going to work? You know, it's just, I just, I, it's like, oh, it's not that interesting. Like, how do you, because audio, I love audio. Uh, and it's like this intimate feeling and I can literally be in my pajamas uh, and it's great. But how do you, do you have a tip for like video people, people like me who may also feel like Absolutely. this block? And it's very selfish questions. Obviously it's like self-serving for me. I'm like, yeah, how do I cool. get past this? <laughs> but, doing, yeah. doing what's self-serving is usually the best way to keep, uh, to keep yourself and everyone around you happy, in my opinion. So I think it's the right <laughs> approach. But here, here's my take. First of all, I would acknowledge you. Right, I'd acknowledge you for even starting a podcast or even trying something, because most people don't even try one medium. Right, whether it's a podcast or even a blog. Right, so, so I would start the conversation there. Understand that you're already juggling four balls, and that's pretty good. Mm. Right. So now that so that's the first part. The second part of that is asking yourself if you want to move in that direction and what is the consequence, the positive consequence and the negative consequence of doing that for yourself. So for me, I'm a big advocate of this idea is you don't need to be on video to share your ideas with the world. This podcast is more than fine, but there's definitely a plus of doing that. The biggest one is that it's a much easier for you to connect with your audience because they see you, they, they feel you, right? The emotions that come out of your face as you're talking to them on camera there's a, there's a new level of energy that they don't ju- they just can't get on audio. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who do want to push to video, who are already doing other mediums, the only question that matters is who suffers from your inability to take action every day. Yeah. Every day that you make the decision not to be on video, is there anyone who suffers because of that? And if you're already on audio, maybe that answer is no. But if you're not creating anything at all, that answer is absolutely yes. Because the more specific you are about that person, the easier it is to produce content for them. So I'll give you the best example. Because all of us start the same way. I thought Mass Truck was the stupidest idea. Who, who would listen to a dude in a mother's basement, in his mother's basement, making <laughs> YouTube videos on public speaking? and communication it didn't make any sense to me i was just making them for fun really i was just like oh well two people are asking me for it might as well do it and then two turned into 10 subscribers then to 15 and then but the difference was i knew who those 15 people were right they were my buddies from university and then yeah. one day i was probably six or seven months into master talk once again still thought it was a dumb idea i never had any intention of leaving work or pursuing this full time but then I met this 16-year-old girl, and I asked her why she was scared of public speaking. She just panicked. And that's when I realized in that moment why my videos mattered. Mm, Because if I wanted to reach to every 16-year-old girl in the format that I could only teach it, where it's effective, which is YouTube videos, I I needed to get on video, and I needed to take this more seriously. Yeah. 
we're right. all going to think our ideas are stupid. There's no exception. Every single person I know has thought their idea was stupid at the beginning. The only way to move past that is to have somebody else tell you the idea isn't stupid, which yeah. is generally your core audience. That's why I'm a big advocate of having dinner, and I'm very serious about this, having dinner with the people that are actually watching your stuff and just asking them point blank, why do you listen to me? And when yeah. they pour their hearts into you, that's when you start to make a much more um, effective decision, so to speak. And that's why I write my content three years in advance now. Now I'm a nut job, but I definitely didn't start that way. Yeah, so you know, it, 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 now thank you for 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 this, and I, and I think it's true. Like you know, everything that you said, and I think it's interesting because it is actually I should be taking even my own advice from earlier it's like you know getting out of my own way because again it has nothing to do with me my message has not as much as your our messages has something to do with us and who we are as a person the way we deliver it is obviously unique to us but at the same time I really believe like it has in the sense of yeah so it's like really getting out of my own way it doesn't matter if I think I look tired (laughs) no one gives a shit even if you do health and wellness if you have good good information people can use they don't give a shit because I, I i most certainly don't i mean you know obviously there's a, there's a minimum like but it's still it's like yeah it's um your own insecurities about how you look shouldn't be dictating what you do in life and i think that is something i definitely need to to assimilate and actually embody and just go out there and do it um, absolutely yeah, because it's so true when you see people on video, there's Instagram accounts I follow. And the minute they're on video or they do lives, like I'm totally hooked. I'm like, oh, if I like their personality, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. I get it. You know, it's like, yeah, there's something dynamic with that, engaging. So what's your number one piece of advice to the listeners? Like if there was anything you'd want them to take away, what would that be? Yeah, I would say, you know, I always like to leave with my favorite quote, Angie. My favorite quote of all time the, the advice is be insane or be the same. If you want to mm-hmm. be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you made an hour into this interview, you probably want to do something important with your life. It's probably some difference you want to make. So the only advice that really matters at the end of the day is the following. The people who do end up making a difference in the world are crazy. Don't you find it odd that a 22-year-old kid like me started a YouTube channel in my mother's basement Not on pranks, not on vlogs, not on comedy skits, but on public speaking and communication. Then he went on to coach big executives of companies at the age of 23, but once again, lives in his mother's basement, is literally talking to Angie on the mattress he sleeps on, doesn't own a car, (laughs) dances alone in his basement, karaoke's in eight languages. Oh, and by the way, loves Justin Bieber. How does any of this make any sense at all? And that, my friends... It's the point when every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that matters, which is you, you'll probably be successful. So be insane or be the same. Absolutely. Just be true to yourself. Um, Be comfortable with whatever it is that you want to do and um, how you want to live your life. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this, Brendan. I, we've now come to the end and I'm going to ask you the same two questions that I ask all of my guests. So the first one is, what would you tell your 18 year old self? Oh, be insane or be the same. I was like, that question's redundant now. Um, and then the next one is, what stuff do you not put up with anymore? 
What stuff do you not put up with anymore? Uh, definitely negative people. I haven't had a negative person in my life, I believe. I actually forgot. So I think it's five. Has it been five years? Four? Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a single negative person in my life, Angie. And it's, it's really made a difference to the point that I literally believe every human being is positive. It's actually, it's, it's really weird for the psyche in a good way. I, I think you need to cut your negative friends loose. They're a waste of time and a waste of the very limited time you have on this earth. Wow. But how about, so how about you have a positive friend, but they're going through a rough time? Are you, that, or is, that, that, is that different? Is that, is that different from like, I guess like you mean like someone who's always negative? Absolutely. That's, that's definitely very different. So there's like three different layers to this. So there's one is the obvious, always negative all the time. We don't have time for that. Let's get rid of that. Yeah. The, the other part is someone who's a really, really good friend who's having what I call a patch. So a patch is... They're having a, a rough patch in the middle of, like, let's say at some point in their life, and, and they take a couple of months, maybe even a couple of weeks to recover. But then there's the third category, and that's a decision everyone's going to make, and it's a tough one, is someone who's been really good to you and gets into a long patch. Mm. So that means yeah. that I'm just making this word up as I'm kind of talking here to kind of explain this, but it's like they, they, they start to become alcoholics. They start to get into a run direction. You just know you can't pull them out. You, you have yeah. a tough decision at that point to make. And it's yeah. not one for me to make for the audience. But what I will say is if you stick to those people, they will bring you down eventually, even if they were yeah. good to you. So, yeah. so it's tough decisions you got to make in life. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think yeah. the, the general idea is avoid negative people if you can and take care of the people who are good to you, especially if those bad periods are not very long. Please tell us, where can the listeners find you? How can they work with you? Do you do stuff online? People who live like in a different country? Like give us all the good stuff. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's very simple for today, Angie. All you got to do if you want to get in touch is, is the YouTube channel. So just go ahead and type master talk in one word and you'll find all of my, my content there for free for you to learn from and grow. So Brennan, thank you. Thank you so much for today. Pleasure was mine. Thanks for having me, Ange. And that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to rate, review, share it, subscribe it on iTunes, follow it on Spotify or whichever platform you listen from. However you show love is how you can support this show. Drop me your questions or suggestions for future episodes via the website at angie-s.com or come and find me on Instagram at tool for dish it podcast. See you next week and until then. Using health inappropriately.